Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash late night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash late night. Now, enjoy the show. Is that a mug warmer on your desk? It is, dude. Thank you for noticing. I'm glad you noticed. My sister got it for me for Christmas one year. She got it for me with a pour over, but I broke the pour over and I still, <laughs> this remains. Do you get worried about it being like a fire hazard? Because that sounds dope to me, but I would also be intensely paranoid about I it. I have left it on one time. Oh, I want to tell you guys a story. When I was, I think I was 26. I was like doing a study away program in grad school. And during the course of that, they had like a thing where grad students could earn a little extra money by house sitting. It was in Santa Barbara. So it was like a local rich family, huge house. They were like, yeah, we'll have a grad student come house sit for a little bit. It's the only time I've ever house sit for someone I didn't know. Go to this place, go house sit. You know, I cook my dinner, get up the next morning come back home that that night and I find that I had left the stove burner on <gasps> for an entire 24 hours. Oh no. Open flame. <laughs> oh my God. Open fucking flame. And there's another world where I'm in jail right now. <laughs> Right. Because I burned down this family. And it was a big house, too, like a big, rich Santa Barbara house. I didn't say a word about it. But for like a couple months, I was like, are they going to get a gas bill? And just know, know what happened. I think that's my worst nightmare. Mine, too. Like, I check the stove before I go to sleep at night to make sure it's not on. Like, I am very conscientious about this shit. So now you check it twice. You know what? I actually do. I even check. There's a knob on our stove that controls the light inside the stove that I check. Because I'm like, maybe it's secretly a gas burner. It's not. It's a light bulb inside the fucking stove. Whenever Russ, like, questions something, like, we leave for somewhere, and he's like, did you, you know, turn this off? I always do. I'm like, yeah, I did. But then him asking me makes me doubt it. I'm like, yep. well, what if I didn't? So then we have to turn around. Like, even if I, like, lock the car and then we go to our destination, he's like, did you lock the car? I'm like, yeah, I sure did. And then I'm like, wait, did I? Yep. Are you sure? Uh-huh. Like, what if you didn't, though? <laughs> Psychological warfare. Yeah, you can't ask me if I did. You just gotta trust me. Now that I know me. that, I'm gonna ask you stuff like that way more often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to watch you do stuff and know that you did it and make you doubt it. That's horrible. Oh, I think there's a word for that. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's terrible. I want to get into something right away here. There's an elephant in the room that we need to address. That Russ gaslights me? Is that it? <laughs> well, I- I'm honestly fine with it. I don't really know you, so it's probably great. The-, the thing we need to address right away is that I am from New Jersey and you are from Long Island. Yes. And... <sighs> are you guys going to fight now? Well... Maybe. <laughs> I have a long-standing animosity for Long Island. We do too. Yeah, we do too. We do so too. we're okay. in the same we club. Yeah. Yeah. Great. First of all, it's good that you're on the right side of history. So I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate that. 
I'm going to tell you stuff about Long Island, some of which I've actually discussed recently in the show, and I want to get your reaction to it. So one thing I'll say about Long Island is I've noticed that if you're not driving 20 miles an hour over the speed limit, even on residential streets, someone will pull up right behind you and slam into the horn as often as possible. You could be doing like 40 and a 25 and some guy in a tank top. In a big pickup, yes. big black pickup truck. big pickup truck. That's right. It's going to come behind you, go, and then whoop, yeah. like go yeah, around yeah. you, almost killing yeah. somebody. Those people exist. And honestly, I think it's only like 15 people, but they're always on the road. Like maybe the state pays <laughs> <Yep>. them. <laughs> to intimidate you. <laughs> yeah, then. yeah. Just to scare other people away. And I think they have like some signature decals on their car, like I hate animals. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. I hate animals. It's such an aggressive bumper. Just today, I saw someone, a pickup truck with the bumper sticker that said, my wife gives me sound advice. 99% sound, 1% advice. I'm like, I oh hate God. driving here. I hate <laughs> it here. Yep. Of course, there are people that are going to see that and find it funny, but like, who makes those? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. It's like a Spencer's Gifts type yeah. bullshit yeah. kind of thing, right? Yeah. Just go to any boardwalk in America, and you can find as many of those as you want, most in t-shirt form. You know, it's honestly kind of an improvement that that one wasn't just nakedly racist, which solidly half of them are. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The fact that it was only misogynist. Yeah, is, right? It's like, okay. It's yeah. unusual. Yeah. That's a win for feminism. <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. We have these same people in New Jersey, although, of course, New Jersey is much better than Long Island. Yeah, of course. We have the same type of person. They're like the Northeast version of rednecks, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Country music. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with country music. No, no, but... Yeah, Russ, really speak your mind about country music. Really lay into it. I just think there's an adjacent culture to country music. It's just from your findings, yeah, there, from yeah, your yeah. personal there's, experience. I, I see some adjacent. I think that's fair. Yeah, but you know, yeah. on occasion, I love blasting like Tennessee whiskey when I'm driving down the highway. I listen to country music too. And I drive a minivan and I drive very safe. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not what Russ is picturing right now. <laughs> Yeah, so you're kind of a Long Island contradiction. Yeah, I yeah. actually got pulled over. We were traveling. Every time we get pulled over, it's because... I'm driving too slow. She's driving too slow. <gasps> I was oh. driving in Jersey and I got pulled over. Okay, you know what? We're driving too slow? I take it back. Jersey's ridiculous because everyone... <laughs> okay, Apparently, yeah. you're not supposed to drive in the far left lane. That's everywhere. No, I know, like, but like... You only I, use that to pass. Yeah, I know, and I was passing. Wait, why did you get pulled over? He was driving too slow He's like, you're driving lane. too slow. You got to be more confident and quicker. I'm like, well, I'm doing the speed limit. He's like, well, not in that lane. Is it true that you can't turn left in New Jersey? <laughs> yeah, no one is... I, I, I'm going to confirm this rumor. No one is allowed to turn left in the state of New Jersey. You go yeah. in a lot of circles. <laughs> yeah, you go in a lot of circles. You're thinking of the infamous New Jersey jug handles. Right. Where there are a lot of roads where, no, just hear me out. That's the first time anyone said that. Yeah, sentence. that's a that's new sentence. Real. Yeah, that's a new sentence for us. But okay, there are roads where instead of it's like an intersection, to make a left, you pull off to the right and go over an overpass. Okay. What? Yeah. It's not every or oh, most it's a roads. Jug yeah. So there's some like state highway, like two lane each direction you know, maybe like 45 mile an hour speed limit highways, just to keep traffic moving, you go to the right and over to turn left. It's it's pretty common, but it's unusual. Yeah. It is unusual, but it's obviously better because <laughs> the geniuses that plan New Jersey, you know, they knew what they were doing. Let me just put it that way. All right. 
the real question, and I am definitely in a minority on this one, and I won't tell you where I stand, although you can probably guess, is what is your opinion of Billy Joel? Okay. Okay. I love Billy Joel. I'm sorry. Billy Joel's not cool. <laughs> I really don't enjoy Billy Joel, and I don't get the hype. Yeah. Have you listened to Just the Way You Are? You know how marginal <laughs> I don't know that, what that is? is. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't even. I the Rocket it's... Man. I, I hear it all of it. Oh, my God. Rocket Man. Yeah, Rocket, Rocket Man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. We need to talk. We need to talk. All right. Yeah. Russ, I'm sorry. You have the correct opinion of Billy Joel, but I'm sorry to say it is invalid because you have declared that Rocket Man is a Billy Joel song. I'm very sorry. Piano Man. man. Uh, Rocket Piano. What's the difference? Yeah. Same. Yeah, that's true. The way I play the piano, it's like a rocket taking off. I feel like Billy Joel's like a Long Island like legend, but like I just never got the hype. I don't understand how you can't get the hype. He's a legend. How? Because. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I mean, Emily, you're a musician, obviously. Like, can you be specific about what you like about Billy Joel? What's your favorite Billy Joel song? Yeah, great. It's probably just the way you are. He had such an impact on me growing up. Like in high school, I listened to him all the time. Wait, did he hit you with a car? (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised with these Long Island drivers. I think just all my friends were listening to him at the time. It's like you can't escape Billy Joel for From Long Island. So that's why I don't understand why you don't know it. I just don't understand how he sold out Madison Square Garden that much that often. Yes. I just don't get that. How? Who can do that? Madison Square Garden is right there in the city. So everyone Uh, from Long Island, of course, goes right there. I don't get the appeal. Yeah, like I went to visit my mom who lives in Queens. And like as a day activity, she was just like, we're going to go drive and you can see where Billy Joel lives. And I was like, <laughs> all right, Oyster Bay, isn't it? Yeah, Oyster Bay. Sure, why not? Billy Joel is such an icon that I went to a thrift store once and there was this lady in there and she was like bragging. She's like, you know, Billy Joel's cousin came in here and bought a lamp. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, that's really cool. She's like, yeah, can you believe it? Billy Joel's cousin bought a lamp from us. I'm like, uh, all right. <laughs> we, should, we should just go somewhere and wow. just say we're, we're like Billy Joel's children. Yeah, just, who's checking? Yeah. yeah, who's checking? <laughs> My unpopular opinion on Billy Joel is that he is an incredible musician who has zero taste. And <laughs> he has weaponized his talent <laughs> to write hacky bullshit. I, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I agree a hundred percent with no. what you're saying. I think that's the best way I've heard anyone put it. I haven't been able to put my frustration about Billy Joel into words. And I finally heard the words I've been trying to say. Thank you. So thank you. I mean, I am willing to leave my wife for you now, Russ. Just to put that out there. But to be fair, I know a lot of people whose tastes I respect You, Emily, and our friend, Jim Roach, my producer and someone we've worked with, loves Billy Joel. A lot of people I know whose tastes I really respect love Billy Joel, but I just... You just got to tell yourself it's their guilty pleasure. But no, no, no. But I'm not guilty. Exactly. But you have to convince yourself just to be able to deal with those people. (laughs) Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Russ doesn't even like the Beatles, so I don't think we can trust him. Oh, 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 wow. That's oh, wow. Yeah. You're welcome, Russ. <laughs> you know what I think about the Beatles? I think they're amazing musicians, but they just have such terrible taste. <laughs> <laughs> Can we trust him on his music opinion? I'm not sure. Well, okay. Here's where we have to go. What do you like, Russ? Yeah, what do you like? <laughs> you know what? You know, I'm going to feel this a little, a little bit. I, I... Oh, wow. This is the guy that hates everything. Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, great. The moment there was that long pause, I was like, I know who this dude is. When I met Russ, I thought he was the most strict and serious person ever. I didn't even know he liked me. We were dating. I'm like, you like me? Like, you sure? Like, we're good, right? Like, Like we've been dating for six months. How do you not know that? I was like, I'm just checking. Yeah, like, I got to make sure. So when Russ likes something, he really likes it. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. I think for me, we work on so much music together that I've kind of like stopped listening to music recreationally. Mm -hmm, I get that. And I've kind of been having like a small internal crisis about it because like I put on music and like a couple of things enter my mind and I end up shutting it off. Like, oh, I got to work on that thing that sounds like this or like, oh, I got to make sure I keep my ears fresh for when I mix tonight, you know? Totally get it. So I usually I just end up listening to like super ambient stuff that most people wouldn't. But you like Bone Bear, like the sound of animals fighting. That's really favorite bands. You know what I mean? My favorite groups are really yeah, Bone Bear, the Sound of Animals Fighting, Ryuichi Sakamoto. It's all kind of stuff that I feel like has like a certain feel feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like something that like pushes some sort of boundary. Meanwhile, I'm over here listening to Megan Thee Stallion. Uh, I love like the dirty (laughs) rap I can think of. I love it. Yeah, it's very different music taste. <laughs> Billy Joel, rap, country. I feel like I love everything. Uh-huh. Billy Joel is like the one exception for me. I generally do like pretty much everything. If it's well produced, even if it sucks, I'm interested in it because of how well produced it is. And then if it's not well produced, I'm interested in why it wasn't well produced <laughs> and how that contributes to the aesthetic. So pretty much anything can be interesting. I agree. I agree. You know what? This is such a momentous occasion. We're going to introduce the show here. Everybody, this is Leighton Knight with Brian Wecht. Over here, we have Leighton Gray. Hey, that's me, the one who just spoke. That was Brian Wecht. Now, we have a special co-host. I think we can elevate him to the status of co-host. Our producer, Jarek Santano, has joined us today. Hi, Jarek. Thank you. Hello. It's great to be here. Cool. Wonderful. And our two mystery guests, who are you? What do you do? You go first. You go first. Oh, I go first? Okay. I'm like a supplement to you. Okay. So, so, all right. That's not true, but okay. (laughs) So, I'm Emily Hopkins. I'm a professional harpist who uses pedal effects in my music. On the YouTube. Yeah. On YouTube and other things. YouTube.com. On the YouTube.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I'm Russ, and I, uh, Emily's partner and producer of the channel, and I turn the knobs on the effects. And he's the man behind the pedals, the man behind the camera. He does. Gotcha. He's, he's just too humble. Everyone's like, Russ, you don't give yourself enough credit. Don't want it. He's more than half the channel. Yeah. <laughs> he's immediately othering himself by not using his last name. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't actually have a last name. Yeah, it's just no, Russ. I was born without one. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I, on and off, have taught college courses and like my full-time job is that I'm an architect. Oh, shit. So I always try to like keep myself away from search engine optimization if I can. (laughs) Yeah, we call it SEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I have something to share. One of the songs that I hate the most, if we're talking about Billy Joel. Now I'm listening. There are a couple of 90s songs that I fucking hate the most. (laughs) Yeah, tell me. You know that song that goes like, this is how we do it. (laughs) (laughs) This is not a Billy Joel song, but yes. I actually genuinely love that song. Oh, I actually really? sing that on a key. M can confirm. He does. I he actually, does sing I sing that all the time. That's in the like studio. his pump up song. Yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Billy Joel travesty that is, we didn't start the fire. Oh, I was thinking that too. Yeah, that's, I, that's what I thought he was going to say. I was going to guess Uptown Girl. That's a good song. That was a good song. That's what are you talking a good about? Song. You- 
What? I thought you don't like him. That's the only good Billy Joel song. Oh my god! Oh, wow, <laughs> that's maybe an even more controversial opinion yeah, than I don't like Billy Joel. Don't like Uptown Girl. I love Uptown Girl. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. There's so many things I don't know about you, Russ. I can't get a read on you at all. <laughs> no, I know Russ is such a weird, a weird personality. We love him. <laughs> So wait, Cherik, what are the other songs aside from This Is How We Do It? There goes, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Jarek, can we get you doing an album where you do covers off the top of your head? (laughs) This is great. Jarek's Club (laughs) Jamex. Going back to the topic of songs that everybody hates that I genuinely love. Because uh, yeah. we were talking about country, and the consensus is that a lot of people don't like country. But I genuinely like that song "Lips of an Angel" by Hinder. No, 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 no. <laughs> no? Oh, dude, come on, dude, so it's so sick. It slaps, dude. Like the production's great. The songwriting is ridiculous. Like I think it's so bad that I love it, and it's my go-to karaoke song. Really. It is my go-to karaoke songs. There's this bar in Brooklyn that I always go to with my friends whenever I'm in New York. And I've done Lips of an Angel twice. Mm-hmm. And people just lose their shit when I sing Lips of Can an Angel. Can you sing a little bit for us? Yeah, hit us. Of course. The, the hook goes, <laughs> It's really good to hear your voice. <laughs> Saying my name, it sounds so sweet. <laughs> Coming from the lips of an angel. <laughs> Hearing those words, it makes me weak. <laughs> Jerry, you got me. I'm so tearing up. Friends oh my crying. god. <laughs> That's so great. You could probably count on one hand the number of times I've seen Brian laugh so hard he cries. And all of those except for right now have been jury. Oh, my God. Jared, that was... I got to go. Before you started singing that, I was about to be like, okay, cool. Well, I'm not inviting you to my karaoke birthday next week. And I take it back. Now he's the only person you're inviting. The only person who's coming to my birthday. Dude, it's so fun singing that song. There is this one woman at that bar, and she, she was like, "I want your kids." <laughs> I mean, depending on how you interpret that, that's a threat. Yeah, I was gonna say you have kids already. That's strange. <laughs> yeah. Someone shouts that at me. I'm getting a warrant. <laughs> Yeah, Emily, do you have any songs that you really hate? I want to segue on top of this, Emily. I wrote this down as a question. So you're playing a lot of weddings. What's the one song that you hate when people request you to play? Oh, my God. Pachelbel's Canon. Yep. Canon D. Because I play it so much. And it's like objectively a nice song. But just the sheer amount of times I've played it for weddings. Like I can play it in my sleep, in my nightmares. But you know what's really funny about that? Just last week... Oh, Emily yeah. played this in front of somebody and it made them cry. Yeah, she cried, really? which is so nice. Now that I know how much you hate that, 
What the song? I know, I know. But no, but I love making people happy. That's the thing. Like any wedding client can ask for whatever song they want and they have because I've gotten some weird requests in the past. Like someone walked down the aisle to walk like an Egyptian, which is good. That was fun. (laughs) On solo harp. Yeah, on solo harp, which is great. The theme from Star Trek. Someone asked for WAP, but I said it doesn't really work on harp. (laughs) Yes. It is amazing that someone would be like, I know exactly what I want to ask this harpist to play. WAP. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how, how exactly do you envision that working? They also wanna... requested 34 plus 35 by Ariana Grande, which is just 69. It actually sounds pretty good on harp. And I had the lyrics, though, like from the sheet music I was using. Now, as I was playing, I'm like, this is kind of bad <laughs> as I'm playing it. <laughs> but it sounds really pretty. And you, you arrange all this stuff yourself, too, right? Most of the time, I'm arranging it. Sometimes I use like uh, bass level, like piano sheet music, just on like on MuseScore, like musicnotes.com. And then I take it from there and I kind of make it my own. But if it's something that doesn't exist yet, like I'll make a custom arrangement of it on harp. Yeah. I was looking over your your wedding list of songs and I was very excited to see Pure Imagination. Yeah, that's actually requested a lot. It's it's really, a really, really nice cocktail wow. hour song. And also it works for pre-ceremony too. I mean, it works for anything. Yeah, I love that song. It's so weird, too, in an interesting way. I know. I hope you can add Lips on an Angel to your wedding list. <laughs> I was going to, yeah. <laughs> when you do, like, wedding gigs, are pedals involved usually or not? So normally I don't, just because, like, I feel like a lot of brides are not going to get what's happening. You know what I mean? They're not going to be like, wow, isn't that nice reverb? They're just like we just want harp music as we walk down and that's great. Like, I don't feel they're really necessary at weddings. I mean, I've used a loop pedal before at like cocktail hours. You know, I have like an EQ pedal that I use just clean it up a little bit before it goes into my amp, but I'm not going to bring my giant pedal board to a wedding just because like there's no outlets. Usually that's the reason there's no outlets. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I, Love the thing on your page. I did look at your webpage where you were like, yeah, I'm not playing outdoors. Yeah, that's a new thing. <laughs> that, that just started this summer, actually, because I have a weather clause in my contract that says I can't play outside over 85 degrees. And like, honestly, even that's a stretch. Like, you're really not supposed yeah. to bring your harp out when it's really hot. Like, if you're uncomfortable, the harp's uncomfortable, especially yeah. now lately with like the high humidity days, like the wood, it goes out of tune. It's not good for the health of your instrument. And like my big harp, is $20,000. So I'm afraid of it exploding in the heat and high humidity. So it's just a new thing now that I said no more outdoor because even when it's in my contract, like if it's 91 degrees and the bride's like, we're going to do it outside. Like I'm too timid of a person to be like, well, in my contract, it says, you know, we can't. I'm like, okay, like this is probably going to hurt my heart, but I'm too nervous to like tell you no. Totally get it. Yeah. It's been complicated. Do they make synthetic Harps that aren't made out of wood? They make carbon fiber harps. First of all, they're ridiculously expensive. They're even more expensive than my big harp. And the Mm -hmm. sound quality is like, I can't really explain it, but like artificial. Like my pedal harp uses gut strings, which are made from animal intestines. But like the gut strings are such high quality that they give this specific tone, this specific sound, you know, to the harp. And when you use nylon strings, like my whole top octave is just nylon. It sounds more synthetic, you know? So Mm -hmm. I love using gut strings. I love using like the natural sound of the harp. And then I love changing everything by sending it through pedal effects. So (laughs) not the natural sound of the harp, but changing it and doing all these crazy things. But like baseline, I love like that thick resonance. I don't really know how to explain it, but how do you explain it? Like Just like how you did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. 
Very good. <laughs> so when you have to leave Long Island, Emily, say like out of state or fly out, if like somebody hires you out of state and you fly, how do you move your harp? Or do you like rent one or what's the deal? So my harp model is not really a popular one, which I'm surprised. Like who doesn't want a blue pedal harp? You know what I mean? Electroacoustic yeah. with four <laughs> outputs, but surprisingly it's not that popular. So <laughs> I can't really like rent one. And I normally don't leave Long Island for gigs. Even Manhattan's kind of a stretch because the parking situation is not good. Like yeah. I did one in Brooklyn. I had to go to the parking garage first and then like had to bring my harp to the venue and then like had to leave it to go back to get my music stand and my bench. Oh my and like, God. you don't really want to leave that. Even if it's safe at a venue, it's like leaving your child there. You're like, you like run back to your car to get your gear and you're like, I hope no one tips it over. Like, so it's tricky, but actually we're going to Ohio next week. We just brought one of the harps out to Kansas City. Yeah, the small uh, one, yeah. Ago, yeah. But I drive a gigantic minivan with no seats in the back. So I just load up my big pedal harp and this is the farthest we're ever going to go. So it's like a music festival called Earthquaker Day and we're really excited about it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. It's like for pedals, yeah. yeah. Earthquaker Devices makes some of our favorites that we use. Yeah. Um, so we'll be performing there next week and, and that's exciting. A, yeah. a clinic. Yeah, teaching people pedal about pedals clinic. and harp. Well, that's all good harp stuff, yeah. yeah. So anytime we wow. go out of state, we just, we just load up the minivan. A couple weeks ago, we drove 22 hours out to... Missouri to be on Holy fuck. Yeah. some stuff, but it's very rare. I think this summer we've got like three or four big out of state things and only one of them was a wedding. Yeah. The rest are kind of just mm. like pedal stuff. Pedal related. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Are people finding you through YouTube for that? It depends. There's a lot of ways that people can find me, which is funny. Like a lot of my wedding clients see me at other weddings or like, they're like, I heard you play at so-and-so's wedding. You sound amazing. They hire me through that. But a lot of people, especially recently have emailed me and said like, can you do my wedding in Florida? People find me through YouTube and they're like, oh, you know, I saw your pedal work, really cool channel. And we want you to play at our wedding with pedals, but they're out of state. So it's tricky for me to like have to bring the board, but I'm doing a really cool project now for a client who wants me to record her music. Cause she's like, I know you can't leave out of state, but I really love your work and I love the harp with effects. So she's hiring me to do like some custom arrangements of some stuff, which is really, really cool. Like also, dream yeah. project. I love that. <laughs> That's so great. It's so fun. And then you don't have to go. You just send them the audio files and then... Yeah, and then, then you don't have to drive that long. <laughs> that is one of the truly incredible things about the world in which we live now is that it is possible to record an album with someone you have never seen in person. Yeah, isn't that you weird? Know, you can just trade tracks and it's pretty common these days, in fact, especially over the last couple of years. When you do record a record with somebody when you're in the room, most of the time there's an energy when you connect with people in real life that, you know, maybe you create stuff that you wouldn't if you were alone and you kind of bounce off each other in real time. And then there's, you know, obviously just general musical chemistry. So I'm interested in like the long-term effects or just that process of like what happens when mm -hmm. you're not in the room with the person and how would this be different if it was in real life? And I wonder if it's positively or negatively affecting creative stuff. I feel like some stuff benefits, some stuff doesn't, but totally. personally, I like yeah. to be in the same room as somebody. Yeah, me too. Just because of that. You know, I prefer like doing with a band in a studio, you know, everyone's there. It's just fun. The vibe is usually great too, because everybody can be on the same page, but done plenty of things. I'm a keyboardist where I just send in a track and it's like, okay, great. That's all we really need. Especially if it's like a layer of something else, then being in the studio probably isn't going to make that much of a difference for your individual thing. But yeah, I, I think it's a wash and you know, one will never totally replace 
the other and we'll yeah. always have have both. That's an interesting point as a writer who writes with other people and has done a bunch of projects virtually. I almost feel like I have an easier time writing on a Zoom call or whatever. Like I think I'm really? a, a lot more focused. Yeah, cuz with two monitors, I'll have other person on a screen and then I can do my research and write and I generally I just really enjoy doing stuff over Zoom, but also I noticed that like with therapy I am more honest in Zoom therapy. I think there's just something about like being mm-hmm. in the room with a therapist where I'm like, no, no emotional <laughs> really? vulnerability. Yeah. But when it's oh, a screen, it's like, hello, little man who lives in my computer and solves my problems. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was reading an interesting thing. Was it Ethan Mollick who tweeted about this? So if you're generating ideas, it's been known for a while that ideating in a group feels more productive, but is usually less productive than people coming up with ideas individually and then meeting as a group to discuss them. I don't know what the evidence is. I'm not going to be able to cite it. And the way it was presented was this has been known for a while. And that doesn't mean, of course, in every single instance, it just means kind of on average. And I was like, oh, that totally makes sense because you can just write down your ideas, come up with like a bunch of them in a row, and you're not waiting for feedback from everybody else. And then you get in the group and you can just then discuss them. So I thought that was an interesting point. I'm a big fan of collaboration, you know, in any art you make. I took this from the Russo brothers who direct some really wonderful films and TV stuff. You know, they're two brothers that are directors and showrunners and stuff like that. And their philosophy is two people isn't twice as productive as one person. It's infinitely more productive because you're checking each other's work, you're bouncing ideas off of each other, and there's just like an energy about working with somebody. And what you create can be so different if you filter it through each other. And that's why, you know, working with Emily on essentially everything we do musically has been so fulfilling and just so much more productive than I've ever been beforehand, just because, you know, I have that other person and we see each other every day and we're able to kind of grow. And now we understand our dialogue about our projects and things just move so quickly. I'm just happy that I have Russ to work with because he'll tell me when like my jokes are bad. Like he'll tell me when like things are not working. He's like, Em, this is not working. Like that's why I'm like so lucky to have him because I'll like make some like really bad jokes. He'll be like, we're not putting those in. Like we are not. <laughs> like it's really nice to have someone to like check, like almost like check my work, like when we're recording. It's very nice to have that. Yeah. (laughs) And also like having another person who will fill in for your weaknesses and vice versa. Yes. Something that can be really difficult for me is when I write and like outline stuff, I almost like mad libs it where it'll be like, all right, parentheses, here's what I want this to say basically, but I don't know the words or like, here's what I want the turnaround on this conversation to be. And with writing with people that I write really well with, it'll be like, all right, here's the blank. What is it? And then they get it and it works. Yeah. Russ, I totally agree with you. I don't really like writing music by myself, but I love writing with a trusted collaborator. Oh, yeah. And I've done writing retreats just by myself, you know, get a little cabin out in the desert or something like that. And it's painful. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's so painful. And you just have no idea if anything you ever do is good. And you're like, I guess I don't don't, don't know. (laughs) But working with someone else that you can quickly – bounce ideas off of is so much fun because you can be like, hey, do you like this? Nope. Okay, great. 
trash it, move on. You know, I much, much prefer that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, other people see stuff that you don't because when you're making something, I feel like you're so invested in it and you're in your head about it that to an outside person, it's just like, oh, just change that one note and it'll work. And then, oh yep. my God, I didn't think of that because I was too busy making it, you know? So my band, I'm in a two-person band. My primary writing partner is Danny, who has zero theory or music education and is 100% gut. And I am, you know, very theory-minded and I like weird jazz and avant-garde classical and that stuff. And he is very good. I'll be like, hey, what about this? And he's like, no one wants to hear that. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, that sounds bad. <laughs> Make it sound better. And it, it's so useful to have someone who is extremely talented, but is going 100% on feel. And to some people, that would be a disadvantage. It is a great tempering force that prevents me from flying off into the jazzmosphere and keeps songs, you know, poppier and, and less annoying. Jasmine, I like that. I like that word. I'm going to steal you. that from you. It up. I just made it up. I love asking this to musicians. I ask it to everybody. What's your relationship with theory? Are you very theory-minded? Oh, oh. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> well, okay. I'll just answer this question with a story. When I went to music school, they gave me a placement test. And I was like, well, I've been playing harp for, you know, I guess at that point, what, 15 years or something, 12 years. And I'm like, yeah, this, I'm going to ace this, obviously. Like, this is my thing. That's 12 notes. You can name them all. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I got this. And they were just like, name some key signatures, right? They have the sharps and the flats. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, wait wait, do I not know this? Like, wait, maybe I don't know what key this is in. And then they ask like basic music history questions about like Bach and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to fail this. And I gave it to the guy and they graded instantly right in front of you, which is like really sweating. It's painful. It's painful. You know, I see the red X, red X, red X. And he's like, how long did you say you were playing harp for? And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) this is horrible. And I got placed in music theory 101. And the first day they were like, let's go around the room and introduce ourselves, like the little fun game that everyone is forced to do. And, you know, for me, I was like, you know, Emily Hopkins, play the harp, whatever. The guy next to me, basically this, he was like, yo, what's up? I'm Dan. I love to smoke a lot of weed. And like the teacher was like, okay, (laughs) maybe name something else that you like to do recreationally. And then he drew a note on the board and was like, this is a C note. I'm like, how did I get here? (laughs) I remember when I was growing up in Jersey and I was taking piano lessons, it was at a local state college. Every year was called auditions. Why it was called auditions, I don't know. Basically, you would go in, you would prepare a piece for that year. You had to play a couple scales and then play a piece or two. And then you would get a score kind of at the end. They wouldn't do it in front of you. They would just write it down. And during one year in high school, I was super busy. I was doing a million things. I was not practicing as much as I should. And I had some complicated Chopin piece I was playing. And I remember going to this audition, this thing where I play for a a person, and I play the piece. At the end, the guy pauses and he goes, so, do you like playing piano? Oh, (laughs) And I was like, crushing. It it is the single most devastating feedback I have ever received musically. Do you like playing piano? (laughs) That's horrible. Oh, well, I had to sight sing for my college applications too. Like, and I was just like, can you give me a zero for this part? I really don't want to do this. And like, (laughs) they're like, you have to do something. And I am a terrible singer. Like, that's why I'm a harpist. Cause like I express 
music through my hands, like not through my mouth. So I'm like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, just give it your best. And it was so embarrassing. I think I like sweat through my shirt. I was so embarrassed about how it went. It was so <laughs> terrible. I was like, ah. I feel like all your- <laughs> like I couldn't even do, I was so nervous and he was trying not to laugh. I feel like all of your good stories end up in you just sweating through your shirt. I, yeah, I like- that's, yeah. I'm just a sweating <laughs> person when I get nervous. I just sweat. <laughs> yeah. Relatable. Yes. Yeah. Because then it just further compounds the stress that you're already feeling of like, oh, yeah. oh no, yeah. the other people can see slash smell. Oh God. <laughs> the visible discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. It's always like the scalp sweat that gets me. Yeah. I, I, I got a haircut today and I sweat through my shirt during the haircut and I got up and the shirt stuck to the seat and I walked out like with visible sweat. I was wearing a white shirt, visible sweat patches all over the shirt. And I have no idea. I wasn't nervous. Like, it just, I was just like, oh. I guess the little cape is like insulating. Yeah. I guess so. Did yeah. you have the little cape on? Of course I had the little cape on. I'm a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Jarek, you wanted to talk pedals. Let's talk pedals. I did want to talk pedals. A lot of cool pedals on your guys' channel. The most recent one I came across on your guys' channel was the delay pedal with the gate. Yeah, oh, uh, Ranger, Ranger effects. Yeah, Ranger yeah, yeah. effects. Yeah, and I thought that was hilarious because it reminded me of that like Vine video of the guy who was playing guitar and he hit one note and it just like delayed on forever. He like rode the bus and like went to school and like yeah, came yeah. home and it was like <laughs> still. <laughs> What's really funny about that is like that was like a loose inspiration for our yeah for our video on that. Oh wow! And everyone got so bad because they're like, it doesn't even sound like a wrong note. I'm like, I tried my best. We <laughs> yeah. spent like at least ten minutes trying to find a wrong note for a passage, and just like everything, everything sounded sound, fine. Yeah, everything sounds good on heart. <laughs> so we just know. went with one, and of course, everyone's commenting. I actually like the wrong note. That's just an interesting mode, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You just raised the fifth, and that's fine. <laughs> it's like there's twelve notes, guys. Yeah. I know. You know there's not come that many on, to choose you know. from. I know. <laughs> My old jazz teacher used to say, and he thought this was so great. Like in an ironic, humorous way, he used to go, "Hey, you're only a half step away from the truth." <laughs> <laughs> Very jazz guy thing to say. So whenever anyone would hit a wrong note, a clam, as we call them in the business, you go, eh, don't worry. A clam? You're only half step away from the truth. <laughs> How many pedals have you guys accumulated since starting Emily Hopkins' YouTube channel? Oh, man. That's a great question. I think it's the kind of thing we're afraid to count. So Yeah, uh, so we, it, we can't give you an accurate number. We can't give number. you an accurate number. It's you a could, lot. I They're mean, just all in our closet. Like We have dedicated pedal shelves yeah. right in front of us that yeah. are just stuffed. And then more in the closet and then more like under the couch, under the bed, like everywhere. Yeah. I feel wow. like they're everywhere. Like if we do a video on a pedal, because, you know, the companies send them over to us to make videos with. And, you know, we get to keep them most of the time, depending on a couple of things. But if we get something and we're not using it for like a year. Yeah, we give it enough time. We yeah. give it enough time. And if we're like, you know, we didn't really use this, even though it's cool, you know, we'll like give it to a friend or something like that. Or like we have a drummer who helps us out on the channel. So like we'll throw him some of that kind of stuff because he plays guitar and also and he likes pedals. So. I feel like we have at least 10 pedals that are with our friends right now. Like they're yeah, using, yeah, they're just yeah. borrowing them, which is <laughs> yeah. really cool. Yeah. I love inviting people to the studio just to play, like just to test yeah. things yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. We have so many pedals. So yeah. I'm like our cellist yeah. friend. I'm just like, come over and like, let's see how it sounds through this. Like, it's so fun discovering new sounds. Like, cause that's what like our whole channel is like discovering new yeah. sounds sure. on harp. I first started the channel as a resource for other harpists. And then it quickly evolved into like 
oh, there's like many guitarists here. And like, there's even some people who are not musical at all. They just enjoy the channels. Yeah. They just like cool sounds. Yeah. Yeah. They just like interesting, weird sounds. And that's so cool because I think we I did a, we did a that, poll yeah. a couple months back and I think like 70 or 75% of our audience played guitar or bass and like 2% were harpists, maybe yeah. even 1% really? were harpists. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting because, well, the first thing is like when a guitarist watches another guitarist, playing on like a YouTube, they're immediately like critical of their playing style. Does, does, is this what I play? Is this what I like? Is this guitarist good? Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, I think when they're looking at what we do, maybe it leaves a void, you know, in their head, like, oh, maybe I could achieve that on my instrument. And that's where I think a lot of the appeal comes from. And, and some of it is just because we're having a ton of fun and blast. trying to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're really, really fun to watch personally is a shitty bassist who has an interest in pedals. I just love watching people play with pedals because they're expensive. Some of them are very boutique and hard to get, and I'm yeah. not very good. And also there's just something so joyful about watching people play with pedals and like finding new sounds. It's right? like It's so fun. Although I feel like some of our people just follow the channel because of our Long Island accent. Like, I'm not sure, but I think some people just love the way I say bad. Like, bad, bad, sauce, like coffee. They just, I think they just chocolate. are there for yeah, chocolate. I think they're there just for that. So yeah. they're going to freak out when they find out that's a pedal. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me you say this the correct way because no one out here in fucking California does. You wait online for something, right? Yeah, not queue. You don't wait on the queue. And you don't wait in line. Yeah, you don't wait. People say queue. Yeah, people say queue, yeah. Well, queue is more like Canadian British, British. right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we don't wait in line. We get, no, we don't we get, we, online. We don't get online. And also like people, like yeah. you live on Long Island. Not in Long Island. It's yes. a big, it's a big debate. Right. In Long Island, it just doesn't sound... Oh. Yeah, it doesn't sound yeah. natural, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I had a comment. I hate pedal review channels or videos. I mean, with the exception of you guys, you guys are my favorite one. But I, I fucking hate course, when guys too. just come up and they, hey, my name's Andy. This is the fucking, you know, whatever the full tone OC. Pedal master. Tone zone. And they just rip like a fat, like blues lick. And I'm like, I fucking will never play that like why do i fucking care how it sounds in a blues context i want to play like i don't know ambient music that's so funny you say that that's also why i started the channel because she's like hey my name's jared i'm here with the sick pedal the sick overdrive and they play like like some crazy stuff this is the 15th tube screamer clone we've done this week but it's the best one and every time this is the best tube screamer clone this is the best pedal I've tried every single time and it's like they just keep getting better it's the same circuit (laughs) (laughs) we've done that for certain pedals like because in our early days we were discovering like we were like this is the best chorus pedal because we had only tried that one chorus pedal first Yeah, yeah, yeah. so now we don't do that anymore because we're like oh that's dumb to do that every time like this is the best one like yeah yeah because we consistently find the best blank you know but yeah like, that's our channel sure. yeah, constantly yeah. like showing what we yeah. like and it's evolving but i totally agree with you like there's something about that that just rubs me such the wrong way we were watching a channel earlier today that we're really good friends with called working class music and they do some interesting you know they're amazing out of the box playing stuff through pedals but they included a segment in their demo in their latest video and it's does it dad rock 
So they they take this really <laughs> yeah. weird pedal that you'd play like ambient stuff through, and they ironically play like yeah. those blues riffs, like, dad rock riffs. Does this yes. dad rock, and it poked fun at that kind of scenario you're talking about. And we had a good laugh. The first thing I think of when you guys talk about this is Blues Hammer from Ghost World. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. What is that? <laughs> yeah. So have you seen Ghost World, the Ghost World movie? No. No. Steve Buscemi. Buddy, I went to art school and I love Steve Buscemi. I figured we won't watch it now, but everyone should watch the Blues Hammer clip from Ghost World where someone says it's, you know, really authentic blues. And it's pretty great. So that's what I think of that. And uh, of course, Rigs of Dad. Yes. Which <laughs> A fucking plus. Emily and Russ, do you know Rigs of Dad? Uh, no, I was just going to ask you, no, please explain. Yeah. Oh, okay. It the is greatest of all time. The greatest. It is an Instagram account, which you should just follow and read because it is a bunch of uh, dad looking people playing guitars and they all <laughs> live in fictional Pudgemont County. <laughs> Oh my God. Wait, what I is it called? Wait, what is like it called? Because I'm looking it up right now. Rigs of Dad. Rigs of Dad. The caption game is yes. so strong. Unparalleled. <laughs> Best oh, on Instagram. Oh no. This is amazing. <laughs> it's really the writing on it that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to dive into this later. Oh my God. This is amazing. When the riff comes back, but slower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do a deep dive on these later. It's so well written. I feel like some of the best writing on the internet, for me at least, are the shitposting pages. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All the smart people, for the most part, on the side have their own shitpost accounts where they just write the most genius commentary on some mundane thing in life. And I, yeah. I love it. Russ is a big shit poster. Yeah, Russ is a big shit poster. Yeah. Oh, you and me both. The main account for my band is 99% shit posts and 1% tour advertisements. What What are your favorite shit posting accounts? There's one called, I think it's called Ordinary People Memes. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yep. I love that one. It's just like stock images of like high school photos of people and like an obscure caption that that person might say. It's like Sears Photography Studio kind of <laughs> yeah. pictures, right? And it'll say like, oh, you ate the last cookie? Or, <laughs> yeah. or something like, it's just so not funny that it's funny. R Russ's you know? humor, like it took me a long time to understand this, but Russ's humor is like things that are just not funny. And like when he sends me memes, sometimes I'm like oh, confused. Yeah. Like <laughs> when we started dating, he followed this page called Toilets with Threatening Auras. Oh yeah. And I'm just uh -huh. like, what, mm. what is this? His humor is so, but like I've caught on now. Now, yeah, I, now yeah. I appreciate yeah, it, yeah. but you do have a weird sense of I humor. do like Toilets with Threatening Auras. I feel like there's a couple out there. I that... posted one on my band's account the other day which I was really happy with, it was a cut roast of beef. And then I put the word beef all over it, like <laughs> all around it, real small, beef, 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 beef. And the caption said, a swarm, a swarm of beef. And I was really, really happy with it. It was not popular. Nobody else liked it. I was really, really proud of myself. My favorite account right now is called entrepreneur, but it's spelled like manure, uh -huh. <laughs> entrepreneur. It's this account that mocks like hustle culture posts and memes. Oh, great. It's yes. probably my favorite page right now. Layton, is that like Sigma male grind set? It's like Sigma male grind set. <laughs> I'm glad you pointed to me as expert on, on the Sigma male yes, grind well, set. Yes, well, I think of you as the ultimate Sigma male. It's like just shit posts like 
go into your boss's office, fire your boss, you know, buy an ATM and keep the cash inside. Ask a hundred people for a hundred thousand dollars. And it's like, you would see it and you would think it's like a standard, like on the grind, wake up at 5am when nobody's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You would think it's like that, but you read it and the details are like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) All of those grind things strike me as the romantic comedy behavior that would be incredibly threatening in real life kind of stuff <laughs> yeah yeah where it's like what what human society do you live in where anyone would look at this and think that rules yeah. you know <laughs> if you actually did it it is so <laughs> off putting and they also take clips of like those influencers that preach that stuff and like they'll edit them so like it makes no sense at all or it's just mm-hmm. com- completely out of context love that oh, it's amazing brian the name is escaping me what is the name of the Instagram page where it is album covers slash band names with not them? What the hell that is, is that called? Foul Peralta. Foul Peralta. Okay. I don't look at timelines on anything anymore, but that that is an all-timer for me. That's a really good one. So that person will just post pictures of people, sometimes characters from movies or TV or whatever that sort of look like people in a band, but in not a flattering way, and then put the band's logo. Yeah, so, okay, if you guys can see the chat, click on this thing. Layden has just put in there. Every single fucking Faith No More one kills me. Oh, my God. Oh, this Radiohead one is so good. They're all good. Oh, my God. This is exactly his... Tilda Swinton. Oh, my God. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Memes are, like, the most egoless art form. A lot of times it goes uncredited, and there's never really any money involved for the most part. You know, a great way to make money from memes is this little thing called NFTs that I think you might be really interested in. Oh, you can that? sell them for a lot of even, money. <laughs> They're <laughs> so hot right now. They're so hot right now. Only You've got to get in on this game. Someone tried to actually convince me to buy NFTs, get NFTs. Ew. He's like, the market is wow. great right now. I'm like, I think I'm okay. Monkey picks. Monkey pit. What? Board apes. Yeah. Board ape yacht club of which I saw a meetup of them in person, which was horrifying. Wow. I was reading that Seth Green had bought one of those board apes, but it was like a fishing scam that he lost the rights to it. And he was planning a show starring it. So now they had to cancel that show. But he got it back, didn't he? I didn't hear that. That's awesome. (laughs) It was like an incredible journey kind of thing where the ape found its way back to Seth Green through a series (laughs) of adventures in cyberspace. There's a guy is it in Oregon or Washington somewhere that he had a hard drive with like $180 million of Bitcoin on it. And oh he God. like threw it away because he thought it was empty. Fucking idiot. Oh. And he's I think he's like telling the government or like the local county to be like, hey, I'll give like 10, 20 million dollars to your trash facility to like siphon through it to find this hard drive. There was some version of that, too, where the guy was trying to like crack it, but he only had a certain number of attempts left, right? And it could have been any one of a large number of passwords and he just can't use them all before it immolates. (laughs) Yeah. I hate hearing stories like that. That happens to me with all my passwords. With all your Bitcoins? I always get, no, I always get locked out of shit. I I have so many passwords because you're not going to write them down, right? I mean, who writes down passwords, you know? Do you use a password vault? This is like my single greatest tip. No, I can't ever give anyone. I use a password vault, which is a digital way to store passwords and you can make them real complicated and all store them in there. And it's accessible on desktop or mobile or whatever. Is the password vault 
that has a password. Yes, it does. So you have to remember that one <laughs> password to unlock it. Uh, I'm out. I'm not going to yeah. remember it. Yeah, then <laughs> locked out of everything. Mine is just my first name. Easy. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Now we're going to log in. Yeah. Yeah. Jarek, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in with another pedal question. What is the rarest, like most niche pedal that you have in your collection? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know how rare the fart pedal is. <laughs> it's not rare. It's not rare. <laughs> not rare. Um, we have three pedals by a company called Cooper Effects that isn't around anymore. Oh, yeah. And yeah. their pedals go for like unnecessarily high prices on the secondhand market just because the company got absorbed by another one and he stopped making the stuff. And honestly, they're like some of my favorite pedals. They're so um, good. But like for can't us, get them anymore. You, you can't, so I guess that's, yeah, you, yeah, that's yeah the they're not in production. So there's the generation loss and the arcades. There's little chips you can put inside, like video game cartridges that nice. give it different sounds and stuff like that. Whoa. And it's really, really cool. But for us, like we have some stuff that's out of production and just hard to get because like we work with a lot of small pedal builders too. That's something we really like to do. So they make them in really limited batches. So they make like 10 at a time. And they sell out like immediately. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, the Lottie Canto electric the, the kalimba. Col- yeah, the yeah. electric kalimba color palette. That thing, I watched that video of yours. It was so cool. Isn't that yeah. cool? That awesome. That yeah. thing sells out. It's our fault. 30 seconds. Yeah, it's it, totally our fault. It's our fault, wow. but we made the wow. video. We bought one. This was before we had a larger following. We bought one and just made a video on it for fun. Because we and, thought it was genuinely so cool. Yeah, and it blew yeah, it up. And, and now that guy's making them full time, which is really awesome. Wow. Awesome. Wow. That's amazing. But they sell out and with parts shortages, a lot of these like small scale pedal builders can't get stuff. He announces the new drop and I always feel so bad because I'm like, so many people are going to get so mad because there have been people that really want one. Like, and every time he's going to have a drop. There's no they, waiting list. They, it's just yeah, you buy it when, just when he drops first it. First come, first yeah. serve. Everyone yeah. can only buy one. And like, you can't get like 30 seconds. That would give me such anxiety. Like the checkout process. Oh my I can't God. Type yes. Fast enough. Yeah. I, I think for us too, like we have a lot of stuff that's not in production or like that's really hard to get. And we love them, but like we just stopped using them on the channel because I don't want to be like, I have this and you don't. Haha. Yeah, like because, I'm not going to mm, show it off. If somebody like, yeah. hears it and loves it and really wants it. It's not really fair to our audience to be like, hey, there's this really cool thing you can't get. You know? Too bad. Yeah, we can't do that. So, so. Yeah. We use them for like Studio whatever stuff, we can yeah. or like if it's like the perfect scenario, we'll use it. But we just try to keep them just out of, of the channel just for those reasons. I have so much respect for that because it's so anti-influencer culture, which is all about look at this shit I got. Yeah. And you will never be able to afford or have this, but <laughs> I deserve it because I'm amazing. Yeah. You know? I know. Yeah. I, I feel like some people feel that way about the harp, though. And I try to tell people, like, it's actually not as expensive as you might think. Like, my lever harp is like 3500 4000 right? Yeah, like, that's taxes, like a nice yeah. guitar. That's like, you know, it's, it's like not, a really nice guitar. Yeah, but, but it's not preposterous. Yeah, it's not yeah. like ridiculous. But also, you're a professional. Like the professionals buy the nice gear, you know, like gear is expensive. You know, what do you expect if you're a 10 year old and just starting out or whatever? Okay, sure. Don't buy a $20,000 harp, but you're a pro. What the fuck do you? Yeah. What do you expect? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is how you make money. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. They're expensive for a reason. Most of the time. Yeah. I know each one is like handcrafted. Like mine, mine's from France and you know, someone, 
took, you know, X amount of time, probably months to build yes. it. And it's like so many small parts are involved. Like there's tiny little gears that move each string. Like so much goes into it. And I think cool fact about the harp, I think there's like 2000 pounds of pressure of tension on this harp at all times. So it's like- I guess depending a, on the size of the harp. Yeah, depending on the size. One, but yeah. my big one has like a lot of tension on it at all times. So it's like a fragile, complex instrument that someone built by hand. That's crazy to think about. It's amazing it's not more expensive. Yeah, right. Take all that into account. Do harps like guitars and other stringed instruments break strings? I assume they do. Oh yeah. And it's the worst sound ever. Like you can hear it from outside your house. Like it, it's just so loud when they break. It's only happened a couple of times where they've broken at gigs, like at weddings. Yeah. But like usually you can tell when they're about to break because they get like really like frayed and old and like there's like yeah, a certain yeah, yeah. texture to them that you're like, oh, I should probably replace the string. Like I should probably change it. But the sound is just horrible. Yeah. I want to jump in. Can you give us like a 30 second elevator pitch on anything harp? Like what everything's tuned to, like the outputs on your harps, et cetera. Because I don't know jack shit about harps. And I feel like maybe like one person in our audience might know something about harps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let's do like a speed run about the harp. So you can either get a lever harp or a pedal harp. And that just means like the way you change your key signature. So lever harps have levers on each individual string. So if you're playing like a C note, you push the lever up to make it C sharp. So you can have C and C sharp. Lever harps are kind of limiting in the repertoire you can play because each string has a lever on it. So if you need a key change, depending on how many octaves are on your harp, you got to figure out a way to get four or five levers up, you know, before the next measure drops. So like the pedal harp has foot pedals that control the key signature. So every note on the harp, C, D, E, F, G, they each have a corresponding foot pedal and each pedal has three slots in it. So when all the pedals are up, all your notes are flat. When they're in the center, all your notes are natural. And when they're all down, when they're pushed down, they're in sharp. And it adjusts every note in every octave on the harp at the same time? Yeah. So they change instantly. So if you need a C sharp, you push that C pedal down, all the C strings so become playing, sharp. You're, it's like your feet and your hands. Yeah. Oh. So yeah. normally harp students start studying on a lever harp just to get the technique down, you know, to focus on the basics. And then also they're typically not as expensive. Yeah. Yeah. They're way more affordable than pedal harps. And then when you get older, like I got my first pedal harp when I was 13 and then it was like learning to drive a car for the first time because it was just like my brain didn't really want to function like that. Like my hands were busy and then it's like, oh, I have to change five pedals before this key change. Like, oh my God. I feel like the harp is like one of those instruments that will like eventually like fight off dementia because your brain, it's using so many parts of your brain. Like they say that music can help, you know, prevent Alzheimer's or dementia. Like I feel like that's definitely going to help me because my brain is just so active. Like while I'm playing and I see that key change coming up, I'm like, all right, feet, get ready. And like, you got to like push the pedals around. It's really fun. I feel the same thing about like organists, yeah. right? You have to play the bass with their feet while yeah. my doing. Mind. That's crazy. Yeah. How, the f- how the fuck do you do that? I mean, yeah. imagine being a drummer where you have 10 pitches or more you control with your hands and then you know, two more you're controlling with your feet at all times. It's like a pitched drummer. It's the craziest fucking thing. That's probably the most complex instrument. Like I tell everyone harp is for babies because once you set your key signature, like you can't really make a mistake. Once your your key is set and all your levers are good and all your pedals are good, like all the strings are in the key. So you can play kind of whatever, you know what I mean? It's going to sound great. Unless you mess up a pedal change or a lever change, then it's very obvious that you made a mistake. (laughs) You know, M is like, 
an amazing, incredible harpist, and she can just like shred for days. But it's really interesting watching. <laughs> shred for days. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting, like when we throw the pedal effects in the mix, especially when we're making videos that are like essentially demonstrating them. I've been watching M's harp playing evolve as we dive deeper into pedals because you're throwing another element that's going to call back to what you're doing in real time. And also if you're demonstrating what it does, sometimes you, you just really have to keep it simple. Oh, you mean you don't want a shred that goes, because <laughs> I can do that too if you want. <laughs> so for us, just going back to like the showing off what we have and what we can do, I think one of our you know big goals is to make it generally approachable. So Accessible, like, yeah. So some people comment like, you're not even playing things that are that great. Play something crazy. hard. Play I'm something like, hard, no. but it's like, what? no, that's not, the, that's not the point. Yeah, I'm like, I don't Come want on. to because yeah. I want to get the harp out there as much as possible and show that like, you don't have to, you know, play in the philharmonic to enjoy the harp. Like you can keep it simple. You can noodle you can, on like yeah, three notes. you can notes. noodle and play yeah. with pedal effects. And also there's a stereotype of harpists being pretentious, like being like, oh, like I'm better than you because I have an expensive instrument. Like, no, mm-hmm. like anyone can play the harp especially if you have a couple lessons you get your technique down it's actually funny because since we started our channel and since it's gained some popularity people have messaged me like i started taking harp lessons because of you which is that was my goal with you know this whole thing anyway like i always said if i can inspire just one person to start playing harp then i'll be happy because the harp is not a common instrument and i really wish it was because it's cool i mean obviously i'm biased but i'm like the harp is so cool (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. Guys, should we move on to segments? Yeah, let's hit it. I think we should. So our first segment, Emily and Russ, this is our pop culture recommendation segment. This is where you get to talk about something you've been enjoying recently. might be a book, a movie, a video game, whatever it is. This segment has a theme song, which we put in in post. So you're not going to hear it right now, but we will insert it before the episode comes out. The segment is called What's Poppin'? The theme song. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much. Amazing. Thank you very much. And the theme song goes here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? Great. Now, that's the only time anyone has ever laughed at the segment name. So I really do appreciate that <laughs> because... Let's just say normally it kind of lands with a with a wet flop. Okay, but most of my jokes do that too. So that's, I think Great. we have a similar humor. Yeah. Awesome. We also say what's popping to each other pretty, pretty often. Pretty often. In the and we sometimes we uh-huh. include finger guns too. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah. I love finger guns. Yeah. Like I like the middle finger finger gun, which is yeah. really awesome. <laughs> what is that? It's just like what are you what are you firing? <laughs> what on earth? Bang, 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 bang. Bang, bang. That's gonna catch on. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? Jarek, what's popping? Um, you know what? Can I pop my own thing that came out recently? Yeah, of course. A self-pop? I'm going to self-pop because it's a fucking amazing pop. One of my best and oldest friends, Micah, he makes music under the artist name Reap It Cheap. It is a C.S. Lewis reference to, I think, Narnia, right? It's Narnia, yeah. Wait, C.S. Lewis wrote Narnia? Get out. Get out. I, that's so funny because <laughs> I... Reap It Cheap, I believe, is a mouse from... Yes. Narnia. I know C.S. Lewis from The Wasteland, and I didn't know that. Um... That's T.S. Eliot. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Russ, get out of here. Right. <laughs> Don't ask Russ a pop culture question, because he, he doesn't even very, know. He doesn't even like the Beatles. Yeah, well, there's so two we, initials yeah. and a short last name. I mean, that's... That's fair enough. <laughs> I give you that. 
Anyways, I produced and mixed an EP for him that's coming out soon. But one of the main songs from that EP came out today and it's called Dream. And just something about the words that Micah wrote just really connected with me. I was going through like a weird time and it was one of those songs that's like, oh, this song is saying everything that I need to say right now. Just listen to it. Yeah, that's all I have to say. It's beautiful. If people want to listen to it, where do they find it? You can listen to it anywhere you listen to music. What do you search? Dream by Reap I Cheap. That's how you spell it. Reap a Cheap. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was popping is that song I produced because I'm super, super happy with it. And I didn't write it. I just produced it. But I just love it so much. So self-plug, self-pop. But I that, can't wait that's to the hear. best I'm when so you excited. when you are able to work with as a producer, you're able to work with musicians that you resonate with. Totally. That's the best. Yeah. Yeah. And this is like the first song that lyrically like spoke to me. And it's cool because it's like one of my oldest friends, Micah, that I've known since like fucking like third or fourth grade. So it's amazing. That's awesome, wow. dude. I generally don't give two shits about lyrics. I'm in a comedy band <laughs> and what we okay, you know, yeah. we have to write jokes. But when I listen to music, this is why I don't like Bob Dylan, because it's musically so boring. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, but the lyrics are poetry, man. Yeah. I don't oh, give no, a I shit about Bob way. Dylan. Songs aren't vehicles for text. You know, like there has to be some sort of like connection between what's being said and what's happening musically. And it's hard to achieve. Mm. For me, at least. Yeah, I think there's different ways, of course, people listen to songs. Some people are very word-oriented. I think most people actually are word-oriented, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they're listening for. Whenever I hear a song, unless I've heard it 40 times, I can't remember any of the words. I just remember the melody and the sound and everything and uh, timbres and stuff. See, but I can hear a song 40, 50, 60 times, even it being one of my favorite songs, and I will not know the words or what it is about. Mm -hmm. Or I've been like mumble singing with it for over a decade. And then I'm like, oh, that's what the song is about. Okay. (laughs) I'll give you an example of this. My daughter had a show at her summer camp today. And they were doing a little dance for something. And she was like, let's see if you can guess what this is. She comes, she's like, daddy, can you play the song that we're doing our dance to? And I was like, okay, what's it called? And she's like, um, 17 and up. No, 18 and up maybe. (laughs) So what song was she talking about? This is my question to the room. I will tell you one of the ages she mentioned is in the song title. The song title, 17, 18 and up. Mm, beats me. So th- the answer is Edge of 17 by <laughs> Stevie Nicks, which when I mentioned this to a friend, he was like, I've never heard that song. Same, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. yes, you have. Just like the white winged dove sings a song about do do da I don't know. These words, but you know the song. It's a Stevie Nicks song, right? Just like the white wind. Wow. You've heard it a million times, and it's called "Edge of 17 because at some point during the song, "Edge of 17, something like that. And I've heard the song a million times. My friend had heard it a million times. We've all heard it a million times. She's yeah. saying "Edge of 17 in the fucking song, and it's the title, <laughs> and no one knows that. Yep, I couldn't have told you a single one of the actual words in that song until right now. Same. That is the pitch perfect example right just like yeah. the white winged dove that's the only thing i remember yeah, that's same that's the only thing i thought it was wide winged girl okay russ always mishears lyrics <laughs> he's so bad at lyrics oh or the one winged girl i thought that's what it was 
what was that song that you sang? And it was like something about love, and you just completely oh. messed it up. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. Because, you know that song. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> he always said it was "I come from the land of the love," and it's, <laughs> I come from the land down the on. Land down on. Yes. And when he first sang it, I was like, "Oh, honey," I, I felt bad. I was like, "Wait, That's really funny. you know what the real words are, right?" And he's like, "Yeah, I come from the land of the love." I'm like, "What is the land of the love?" <laughs> That's but great. I can't make fun of it because you know the song Can't Touch This? I always sure. thought he was saying King Festus. And I was like, who the fuck? Yeah, like, the longest time I was like singing like King Festus. But you say it quick so no one knows. Like no one can hear you miss saying it. And like no one would think like, oh, that girl's dumb enough to think it's King Festus. What does that even mean? King Festus sounds like a Primus song. <laughs> <laughs> the technical term for this is a Mondegreen. Oh, yeah. Wow. Or an egg corn is adjacent. Egg corn is adjacent too, yeah. I love yeah. egg corns. Leighton, what's popping? So I'm just going to say sorry in advance for what's popping for me. I've been following this for a long time and it's happening now. What's popping for me is Neil Heslin versus free speech systems, i.e. the Alex Jones-Sandy Hook trial right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. We're midway through as a trial hound and also somebody who pays pretty close attention to the goings-on of this absolute shit show for the past five years that they've been doing depositions and InfoWars has been obstructing everything. Now it's finally happening, and it's been juicy Uh, because InfoWars has been just completely uncooperative. It's already a default judgment, so it's like he's guilty. I wonder why. Yeah. Well, the trial is like determining damages, so... The judge has been putting up with this forever and the judge is fucking done. And Alex's lawyer is the worst. The plaintiff's attorneys, you know, they're representing the Sandy Hook families. Mark Bankston and the rest of the folks on the plaintiff's side are just like doing an incredible job. And I have to say that it's incredibly satisfying to watch InfoWars people on the stand where they cannot lie, being pressed and humiliated for it. Yes, fuck them forever. Yes, it is satisfying. And it seems based off of the jurors' questions, because they can submit questions to expert witnesses, that they're very much on the side of the plaintiffs, including them kind of like trolling with the questions of like, can this witness confirm or deny that they're a lizard person working for the globalists? Like, they fully see through this shit. Um, And also the judge just like yelling at Owen Troyer, the quote unquote cuck destroyer, because he testified at trial, went on InfoWars afterwards and talked with Alex about what a sham it is. And then the next day, the judge was like, so you know that we can access that, right? Did you or did you not talk about the trial? (laughs) It's just beautiful. And they've been live streaming it and it's just riveting, riveting. Wow. So that's what's popping for me. Hopefully, Neil Heslin and the rest of the Sandy Hook parents are able to get a little bit of justice out of this horrible situation. God, I hope so. Just awful. Yeah. Emily, what's popping with you? What's popping with me? So I have been in a gaming mood lately, and I'm currently addicted to this game on Steam called Neocab. 
it's surprising because it didn't seem at first like the kind of game that I would like. It's very dialogue heavy. It's like dependent on the choices you make, but basically you're a cab driver in this like futuristic setting and you know, you pick up all these different people and like, I just started playing it today and I'm already like in it. I take a break from playing it. And I'm like, man, what's going to happen to my friend? They're actually in trouble. And like, I hope they're okay. And like, I'm thinking about the choices I made in the game. And it's so funny because every time you give someone a ride in the game, they give you a rating. It's like Uber or Lyft or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they give you a rating of stars. And like, sometimes I think our interaction went well. I'm like, oh, well, he's definitely going to give me five stars. And then they like give me three. And I'm like, well, what what did I say? Like, what did I do wrong? It makes you question all your like choices and stuff. But it's such a fun and like captivating game. And it's really cool because I'm friends with the person who developed the UI for it. Cool. So like I gave it a shot because I want to see the UI. And then I was like, oh, I didn't expect to get sucked into it. And now now as soon as this is over, I'm going to go play it. Like as soon as we finish <laughs> recording, I'm like going to get jump back into NeoCab because it's so good. I love it. Do you think that you would ever, if anybody asked you to like do a original soundtrack for a video game, like would you, would that oh be something God. you would be interested in? That's actually like my dream. I'm waiting for the day that someone like resonates with my music and is like, wow, this would really, you know, go well for my the game I'm working on. Because first of all, I'm, I love small indie games, a huge fan of like games with like small groups of developers. Cause like a lot of my inspiration for like the quick demo pieces I play through pedal effects come from video games. Like I picture a scenario in my head. I'm like, all right, a lot of it's like from animal crossing. Like I'd love like the little cute stuff on heart. But then other times if I'm like feeling in like an angry mood, I'm like, this is going to be like a cyberpunk, like futuristic level where like chaos is just happening. Like cars are crashing into each other. And I'm just like play something like wild. But it's so funny because we actually did an album of animal crossing songs, reimagined how they would sound on heart right. back when I was like obsessed with animal crossings. We did 24 different songs, one for each hour in the game. Cause in the past, oh, Animal wow. Crossing games, they have different tracks for every hour in the game. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. And I'm just a huge video game person. So I would love to work on a soundtrack. Did you do that for New Horizons or like earlier, like Wild World or original? So I did that to celebrate the New Horizons release. So we planned it that every week a new song would come out until the release of New Horizons. That's how obsessed I was. I'm like, we're going to celebrate the game and I can't wait to hear the awesome custom music that they have. And then I got New Horizons and I'm like, oh, there's no custom music for when the times change. It's just like elevator music. Like I can't sing it in my head. Yeah, like I can't tell you what the music sounds like because it's just so bland. I was so disappointed. Yeah, because especially like growing up with Wild World particularly has such great music of all hours, like where where it's like, I'm going to wake up at 2 a.m. so I can hear the 2 a.m. music. I did that too. I used to wake up at 6 a.m. to go to the 6 a.m. workout class in GameCube. (laughs) And then I didn't realize you could just change the time. Like you didn't actually wake up at 6 a.m. and do the workout class. Like you could time travel. Meanwhile, in like New Horizons, you get to 5 p.m. and it's like, I'm like, no, that we're skipping. No, yeah, we're right. Oh, I'm glad you feel the same way because that was like the <laughs> most disappointing thing for me. Like I was so right. I was so excited about Animal Crossing that I'm like, oh, they don't have good music. Like that can. Well, I, feel I think like it for was me, like you had to unlock the music. Yeah, it's, so like it's the same ridiculous. default music played. Yeah, I feel like video game music is like more important than people realize. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, totally. I was gonna say as an indie developer, if I hear of any things that seem like a good fit, I will email you. 
Like, because oh, I very genuinely so would much. love to see your stuff end up in something. Oh, that'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Seriously, that would be absolutely amazing. Because I feel like it could happen one day. I feel like we would do a good job. You would crush it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I mean, Bit Crusher too. You said crushed it and I thought of Bit Crusher. <laughs> on my, it's like my favorite yeah. effect and it sounds video gaming. Oh, I love Bit Crusher. Yes, it's I so use good. Bit Crusher a lot. Yes. It's pretty great. Yes. Uh, 100%. Russ, what's popping? We recently saw that film everything everywhere all at once Mm -hmm. it's this like multiversal kind of comedy surreal kind of thing Mm -hmm. it's directed or written by two men named daniel i think they're just referred to as the daniels and they've also did this film swiss army man that i was obsessed with love it yeah so very very good seeing everything everywhere all at once recently has like made me kind of itch for more from them because visually and just kind of from a storytelling standpoint, there's not really much else like that that resonates as hard while simultaneously being like the most ridiculous thing you can think of, Yeah, which is really hard balance to make good. So I've been really into that and I've been just listening to the Swiss Army Man soundtrack because the music is just so so good. That's really where my head has been like outside of what we're doing. I find it important to like absorb as much art that's not related to what you do. So you Mm -hmm. can kind of translate across mediums, like ideas and thoughts. And sometimes like cool stuff happens when you do that. Yeah, totally. I'm glad you like everything everywhere because that's one of my top three movies now, despite Brian's opinions or tastes about everything everywhere. I didn't like it. Oh, no, I, I was going to say, no, I know people who didn't like it. Like, and that's okay. Like, it's not a style that's for everyone, but I love Russ's gasp. That was amazing. <laughs> no, no, because, I mean, here's the thing you have to realize about me. I was born with perfect taste, okay? So it is really a devastating indictment of the film that I don't like it. I don't know what to say. It, therefore, it's not good. We have to have a master list somewhere of, like, things that separate people have what's poppin'. Like last week, you and one of our other guests both had the same poppin' at the same time. Mm. Mm-hmm. But we've had maybe more than the three people pop everything everywhere all at once. So oh, yes. wow. Oh, wow. astute listeners at home, if any of you can think of other things that multiple people have popped, let me know. I think it's interesting, Layton, when you say people have popped it, I always say people have what's I think popped <laughs> is the wrong verb to use for pe- when people pick something and what's popping. I think you should say people watched, yeah, which really rolls off the tongue. So wait, no, self-popping, I guess, is out then, right? Because we used oh. that before. Self-watching. Auto-pop, I'll accept in that case. <laughs> yes. That's great. Well, thank you, Mr. Perfect Take Brian Weck. What's popping? <laughs> Quick, he can't hear us. Everybody, what's... when he says what it is, we all have to shit on him and say that we were all born with perfect taste. <laughs> Why did you think I couldn't hear you? He can't hear us if I do this. That reminds me of a street joke I heard recently, which I really, really liked. Might be up there, all-time favorite street joke. What is the difference between an elephant and a refrigerator? I love the silence. We all don't know what to say. What what is the difference between an elephant and a refrigerator? Please tell us. Are you stupid? Like fucking everything. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I'm good. I was the one who asked that because if it was Russ, he'd feel bad. And he'd be like, hey, no, no. I like anti comedy. Is that And joke? I like anti anti comedy even more. 
No, what's popping for me is it's a TV series. Actually, I might have even talked about this before. I'm 99% sure I did, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, again anyway. It is in its third season now after a hiatus. It's the Orville, which is the Seth MacFarlane, like Star Trek Next Generation total ripoff. But it turns out it's actually incredible, which look, I'm as tired of Seth MacFarlane's bullshit as anybody, but it turns out that he has really reined himself in and every episode of season three of the Orville is like a mini feature film. They're like 90 minutes long, all of them. And they're saying things in a kind of brilliant and non stupid way. The characters are great. It's really well written. You have to deal with ever so slight touches of McFarlane-isms, but they're playing things really straight. They're basically just doing Next Generation episodes, and it's kind of great. I'm very impressed with this show, something that I've been watching for a couple of years, and it's it's a little annoying when it first starts out. But now that it is letting itself take itself seriously, it, it has really leveled up. It, it's so good right now. Well, and I've heard compared to certain other actual Star Trek shows that everybody hates uh, yes. that the Orville is like, oh, this is how this should be. And instead it's hundred percent Picard. Like I'm not even a Star Trek person, but I definitely am. Picard was fucking awful. Like I love next generation, you know, a lot. The Picard show sucks. It's just plain bad. And the Orville is, is a way better Star Trek show than this serialized, poorly written bullshit they're serving us with Picard. I've been fully vicariously enjoying it through it breaking the brains of the red letter media guys. <laughs> so bad. It's so bad. Anyway, that's what's popping for me. The reason I didn't start watching that when it came out was because I was so tired of Seth MacFarlane. I am completely on the same page with you. When you start watching the show, it is like you know, Star Trek with like McFarlane jokes a little bit. Once you get enough into it and it's still good, it's just like, eh, they're kind of trying something. Once they just get into it, it rules. And certainly by season two, they're really doing that well. And the current season is like, it's doing the next generation thing where they're talking about kind of contemporary social issues in allegory in a way that I think is very, very well done. And every time you see Seth MacFarlane's face on the screen, you just want to fucking punch it. It's, it's <laughs> such an annoying looking person, but he's doing a great job with this. He's a decent actor for the character he has to play. It's great. I really like the show. Despite everything in me that's screaming, why don't you hate this? I like it a lot. Hell yeah. If I can like post pop, you're changing just, your answer. Russ change is changing his answer. <laughs> We're living in a post-pop society. Just because there were many pops about what I popped about. I refer to them as Watts's, but yeah, yeah. You've been speaking about a show. It reminded me how into Better Call Saul Emily and I have been. Has anyone popped that before? I mean, has anyone watched it before? <laughs> we have talked about that almost every week on this show because we all love it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in fact, the last episode... Brian and the guest popped the same thing. And so the guest was like, no, no, I'll pop something else and went for Better Call Saul. So Russ, you, you need to get yeah, something so new. Good. <laughs> Do another pop. Yeah. It deserves it. Better Call Saul is great. These last few episodes have been incredible. Oh, yeah. It's the best season. It's the best season. It's the best season. Yeah, it's really, really great. All right, next segment. 
All right, final segment is peaches and lemons, which because we have a full house today, we will each only be doing one peach each, which is a cool, fun, exciting thing that happened or is going to happen or that you're glad about. And we also each do one lemon, which is a minor bummer, annoyance, grievance, what have you, a little annoying thing. Uh, And this is the segment, one peach each and a lemon. So theme song there. All right, great. That was the theme song. I'll start with the lemon. I had a very delicious lunch today, which might not sound like a lemon, except it had this amazing garlic sauce with it whose taste I will never escape. And this is my lemon because now I have this abhorrent stench in my mouth, which now just lives here all the time. And it was totally worth it because this lunch was great and the garlic sauce tastes so good and I put so much on and now I can taste my own tongue and it's really upsetting. If I'm talking to people in person, I'm kind of got to go like this because I don't want to breathe on them. So that's my lemon is, it was worth it, but mouth isn't tasting so good right now. My lemon is that I have a balcony that I spend a lot of time sitting on and I have like some nice bougainvillea tree that comes over onto my balcony that I should trim. But in the past week, two different worms have fallen from Ooh. the tree on onto me and I don't love that. Worms fell out of a tree? Yeah. They're like what? featureless, like weird. I don't know what kind of, but they do the inchworm thing, you know, like where they... Oh yeah. What 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 kind do they taste like? <laughs> cool ranch. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Cool ranch worms. Oh, I've had those. Yeah. yeah. They're all right. But yeah, I just don't like it. I don't want any bug near me. Like I'm cool with worms, not when I am on my phone and then it just falls. Like I'll pick it up. But the texture of picking up the worm to place mm-hmm. it somewhere else. <laughs> oh yeah. No, not yeah. not good. So that's my lemon. I'll go next. So I've been complaining about my hot water in my apartment for about two months now. Mm-hmm. And they just have decided to call somebody, like bring a plumber or plumber company to come fix it. And said person came in and did some shit to my shower. And the fucking water is still cold. Oh Over God. this course of like, I give it about like two months. I probably had like this many hot showers. Oh my God. You know, I'll get home late or shower like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. Should be plenty of hot water. No, the only time it's fucking hot is at 6 p.m. because the fucking sun is blaring up on the side of my building. And that is the only time I have hot water. Awful. And then so, okay, back to the guy coming in. He comes in, does his shit, takes all the shower doors off, whatever. Still fucking cold. And I call my on-site property manager. He's like, yeah, they like went to lunch at 1 p.m. I'm like, all right, dude, it's like 3.30. Are they going to come back? I don't know. (laughs) And that is where I am with my hot water in my apartment. And the big lemon is that there are people like upstairs from me. I talked to my neighbor and he was like, yeah, I just let it warm up for like 10 minutes. I'm like, dude, we live in California. We're in a drought. Yeah. Yeah. How can we fucking let the water warm up for 10 minutes, bro? Like, and there's like five people living up there. Is your neighbor a serial killer? (laughs) (laughs) That's serial killer shit. I know. 10 minutes? I feel like I need to warn you because I fell for this once. If they say that in order to test it, they need to take a shower at your place, that's not true. (laughs) Don't fall for that. 
Great. Well, Jerry, I hope your shower gets fixed. Russ and Emily, do you have lemons? I feel like my lemon is that Brian doesn't like that movie. Like, I'm still upset that he doesn't like that movie. Like, I think I that's what my biggest that. thing is, because I can't understand why. <laughs> I don't want to get into it right now, except to say it's just bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that's my lemon. No, I, I, I can talk more about it, but I refuse to. I think that's a valid lemon. Not everybody needs to agree with me, but people should know if they disagree, they are wrong. So that's <laughs> Russ, what's your lemon? Oh, I have not been getting enough sleep. Oh my God, that is such a boring and lemon. I, I, it's a classic. It's a valid though. lemon. My problem is I physically can't sleep in. And Emily hates this. Because uh, yeah, because I do. That's like my job in life is to sleep in. So I usually wake up at like 7.38 and he just can't I go can't back go to back sleep. to sleep. Yeah. So once I'm up, I'm up. So if I stay up late, Same. which we have been doing lately, working on so much stuff, I just can't get enough sleep because I'm just wake up automatically. But Em loves to sleep till like... Oh, I love it. She loves to sleep till like I feel like the later, the later you sleep, the better day you have. You know yeah. what I mean? You wake yeah. up at noon, you're like, oh, hell yeah, my day's almost over. Like, what, what do I fill it with? <laughs> <laughs> There's no pressure, you know what I mean? Like, you get your task done, and then you're like, okay, we're chilling now. Yep. I love that. I get it. If I get more than like seven hours of sleep, I cannot go to sleep the next night. Wow. So I need to carefully regulate how much sleep I get. Oh, wow. Because I can oversleep very easily. I get embarrassed because a lot of people ask me, like, how do you stay so productive? Like, what's your schedule like? Like, we want a video of a day in the life of a harpist. I'm like, well, it's not going to start until like 12. And then at, even then, it's not going to really get going until like one or like later yeah. on. So like, I'm like embarrassed to tell people that I love sleeping in because they probably think like, you know, 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. I wake up and I do my Animal Crossing fitness. And then 7 a.m., you know, I, I eat a healthy, healthy breakfast and then I go for a jog. Yes. And 8 a.m., you know, I take a cold shower. Like, no, I'm not that kind of person. Yeah. <laughs> like I wake up and I just crawl to the kitchen for coffee. <laughs> we have so much shit wrapped up in like waking up early because I used to be very much like that. And I wake up way earlier now. Like I, I got up at 6.30 this morning. Oh my God. And I take cold showers. I totally was a forever hot shower and sleeping in forever. But the point is this works better for my brain, but I don't inherently feel like better or like it is the best to wake up. No. It's just like well, what works for your fucking personal body? preference. Like, yeah. yeah. And that'll change as you age too. It's different at different ages. Yeah. Different life situations, whatever. Anyway. All right. Peaches. We're all going to do one peach each. So I guess maybe now the theme song goes here. I don't know. One peach, one peach each. 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 I'm going to propose this. We take the peaches and lemons theme, edit out the word peaches. So it's lemons. Lemons, right? That's genius. I'll just say my peach. My peach is my birthday is next week. And I don't oh, know yeah. mm -hmm. what the exact plan is, but it will involve seeing friends, karaoke, Great. and maybe me eating a cheesecake. And you are turning oh, yeah. 25, right? I am turning 25. Amazing. Oh, yeah, gamer. Leo season, baby. I say like that means anything. Um, someone else, Peach. I'll go next. My Peach is that I started physical therapy today for my oh. fucking arm. And it's been on my whiteboard of laundry list of things to fucking do. Because I play a lot of tennis and I sit here hours on end editing this podcast and other things and mixing. And 
basically my physical therapist told me that I don't use my whole shoulder enough and that I have like pre-tennis elbow, my wrist is all fucked up, et cetera, mm -hmm. because I'm like overexerting the smaller limbs to create mm -hmm. power when I play tennis or when I type. So it's nice to know that there are stretches and things to do to solve my bullshit. Totally. So that's my peach. That's great, dude. Congratulations. Thanks. Congrats. Bri, what's your peach? My peach is I'm going to Nashville on Monday. Hell to yeah. hang out with aforementioned Jim Roach and the Super Guitar Bros, which if you, Emily and Russ, don't know them, they are a classical guitar duo that does video game themes. And I am going on tour with them and my band Ninja Sex Party next month. And we have our first uh, rehearsals. So uh, That's amazing. we're all That's converging. Awesome. Yep, converging in Nashville. We're arranging songs for It's Me on Keys, Two Guitars, and kind of a utility player, which is Jim We'll be playing maybe some percussion and maybe we'll throw in a little synth here and there, but it's mostly new arrangements of our songs. I'm excited to A, take a trip, go to Nashville, which is a great city, and see some good friends. That's so exciting. That's my peach. Emily or Russ? I have a peach. During a live stream we did recently, we got ice cream delivered to our house yes. by a pedal builder that we know very well who has our address on file because we order pedals from him. And we were live streaming actually a workout session. We were playing Ring Fit, nice. <laughs> that classic game on Switch. And we were doing so well that he decided to send us ice cream. Oh, that rules. So we stopped working out and we ate the ice cream. What kind of ice cream? <laughs> it was actually so funny. So one ice cream he sent was like a cherry ice, but with chocolate ice cream on top of it. And I've never had that, mm. like that blend of like Italian ice and actual ice cream mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was like so good. And then the second thing he sent was like this blue ice cream that had cookie dough in it. It was like called like Cookie Monster. Like, oh, I think it was called a Donato actually. Do you remember the what the brand it was? Because I feel like I heard about this recently. Mm -hmm. It's probably just a local ice cream place by us. Because yeah. I don't actually even know where he got it from. But I was just like so focused on how arrived. delicious. Yeah, yeah. It just arrived yeah. at my door. <laughs> and the funniest thing was that me and Russ had matching outfits for this workout live stream, and it was just so obnoxious, like neon orange shorts and like the you know the sweatbands and the wrist sweatbands, and yeah. like someone rang the doorbell, and I just didn't think about it and answered the door like that, sweaty. like That's sweating, so and I was like, hey. And he's like, hi, you have a food delivery. I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I looked like an 80s, like, workout instructor, like, with the high, high shorts, like, awesome. high-waisted. Yep, I'm like, yep. well, thank you for the ice cream. All right, see you later. I'm like, we're doing a live stream right now. He was probably so confused. <laughs> it was so much fun. My peach was we started a Discord for our live stream community. And nice. it's been really, really active. And a lot of people are in there hanging out. I'm not, like well-versed on Discord, but a lot of people have been asking us to start one. So I forced my way through it to do it. You're and doing great. You yeah. are doing really good. Yeah. And we announced it during a live stream and there's like probably almost 300 people in there right now. And it's Crazy, cool because yeah. we've been able to directly like kind of influence and create a community of people who want to talk about really their interests yeah, in anything. Interest in any yeah, capacity. Yeah. We have such a wholesome community like that it doesn't just center around harp stuff which is yeah. like really interesting. It's been really nice to like pop in and just see that conversations are blooming and people are just having a good time. So for me, it makes a lot of the stuff we do worth it. 
that like we're giving people a cool space to talk about like the music gear or dank memes or like whatever they want to talk about. Yeah. I feel like there's rarely asshole people in yeah. there. Like, yeah. like our community is really wholesome and there's rarely people just like barge in and just like harp is dumb or whatever they want to say. I don't know what, what asshole people harp say. Harp sucks? Like, question mark? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> probably the most often like shitty comment we get is people are like you're ruining the instrument like you're putting all these crazy effects on the harp and like what? you're ruining the purity of the like it's why would you do Whoa. that and i'm like well listen <laughs> there's so many other channels you can go to like you don't need to be upset <laughs> i have an amazing solution for music people don't like which is don't listen to it <laughs> find something you like and go listen to that it's an incredible solution that harms absolutely nobody exactly and also shut up about why you don't like it. And I say this knowing that I discussed at length why I don't like Billy Joel. But that's <laughs> that's comedy, Brian. You did that's, yes, a comedy. That's, that's why. I, I am nothing if not a contradiction. My least favorite comment that we get pretty consistently are people who think they understand harp audio and oh, how to make things dude. better. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. Because I've been engineering this instrument pretty much daily for like the past three years plus and people boil it down to something simple that you would just apply to a guitar. Of course. And I look at the comments and I'm like, I, I, I can't believe this person thing. You know what I mean? Everyone's an armchair expert. No one has any idea what they're fucking talking about. <laughs> and <laughs> we get this all the time. Oh, the mixing was really off on this one. And it's like, for me, the first question I would ask anybody is, did you look at your EQ? No. Okay. <laughs> did you even know what an EQ is? Great. <laughs> I hate when people use that term off because it's just so nondescriptive. Yes. I say that. I I always go, he goes, what do you mean by off? I'm like, come on. You know what I mean by off. It's off. (laughs) One, one One thing a friend of mine pointed out with vocal songs is, and he was right about this, is anytime the vocals aren't crazy in front of everything, people will be like, I can't understand it. I can't understand the vocals. I can't understand them. And these are people who want, and this is most people, I think, the vocals way up in front so that the instruments are just in the background and you can't really hear them. And anytime you have anything where the vocals aren't the world's most prominent thing in the song, people are going to be like, you guys fucked up the mixing, bro. Yeah. That mixing strategy is so inherent in pop music. And that's like what everyone's Mm -hmm. hearing. So like, that's like what they might find as objectively a good mix. But I listen to the radio now and then, just like on my drive to work. And I'm pretty impressed at how diverse pop music mixing has Mm -hmm. become, especially Mm -hmm. where the vocals sit. Generally speaking, I think it's getting better than it was like in the early 2000, 2010s. But yeah, that bugs me too, because some people look at it as just another layer, an instrument, and sometimes it doesn't matter what they're saying, but that resonates with me. Hell yeah. cool. I love how those are the comments that upset you. Like mine is like, this girl's a dumb haircut or like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Mine are like the ones that make, make me question like your outfit is dumb. And I'm like, damn, maybe it is dumb. Like, I love that your like, mix is bad. Mine is like, this girl sucks and she's stupid. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I am. Like I have no thing to like ward off the mean comments. Like they say one thing and I'm like, maybe I should change everything about me Yeah, to like suit this one internet stranger as being an asshole. <laughs> I can't read them anymore generally speaking yeah all right it's not rewarding enough it's really nice like sharing a youtube account because like rest 
can see them in comments and like delete them before I see them. But then I always like press them. I'm like, what would they say? What was it about? Like, was it about my appearance? Was it about my skill? Like, what was it? <laughs> I had to get over this very quickly. I'm, I'm in a two person band and the other person in the band is much, much more popular than I am. And I had to stop reading comments because they're all like, Dan did such a great job with this song. I can't believe Dan wrote this all himself. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to maybe not read these anymore. Because <laughs> you know, NSP is a solo project. Yeah. NSP is a solo project. Well, I'm so glad that we've wrapped up this episode on the note of commenters and how we are not yeah. going to read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, this was amazing. Thank you so much for so taking fun. the time to be here. Your, your channel's fantastic and I'm thrilled to get a chance to talk with you. Thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Uh, this is so much fun. So thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Yeah. Hooray. A treat. I say every episode that it's been a treat, but I mean it. I mean it. That's just yes. how I express that I had a good time. And I'm always afraid that I come off as inauthentic to people who have listened to the show for a long time because I'm always like, wow, what a treat. But I mean it. <laughs> I really don't think you do. I believe you every time you lie about it. <laughs> I believe you. Is there anything in particular you want to plug or where people can go other than your YouTube channel? Instagram. Instagram. Uh, TikTok. Anywhere. Yeah, anywhere is fine. I mean, we have a lot of albums out on Bandcamp. Spotify. Just, yeah, Spotify. Like if you type in Emily Hopkins, it will come up. Spotify, Bandcamp. And like we have a lot of cool tracks like well i'm biased so there's cool tracks but like we have a lot of tracks uploaded on both spotify and bandcamp and some of them are just like little sketches of stuff from our pedal demos but yeah. people really resonate with them even if they're just small clips so you can find us on spotify bandcamp all that good stuff I love amazing it. well that's the end of the episode any parting words from anyone I always get so nervous when it's like, what else would you like to say? Closing thoughts. I panic. This, this has happened, happened every time. Every recently. time. Yeah. We had a large music YouTuber, Rob Scallon, come to our studio. Ah, uh, yes. He he did the same thing to M, and she was just like... <laughs> they cut it. Yeah, they cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> they catch her off guard. And they're like, all right, what do you want to say to the world? And she's just like, uh, shop local, shop local, support local. <laughs> <laughs> My mind goes absolutely blank. <laughs> and it, we were recently on the YouTube channel for JHS, and they did the same thing for her. And she was just it's like... Closing thoughts, Emily. And she was just like, do whatever. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody. Shop local. Shop do local. whatever. Shop local and do whatever. Like, enjoy your life. Eat good food. I don't know. Have a great time. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Yes. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Leighton Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at LeightonNight at gmail.com. <laughs>